0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. 2020 versus 2019, 2020 versus 2010. You see all the comparisons on a regular basis, looking back at the last 10 years, looking back at the last year. 2019 was a pretty exciting year for streaming. The streaming wars are, I think, very real. There used to be what were referred to as late night TV wars, where you'd pit, you know, Dave Letterman against Jay Leno. It's kind of similar. What commands our eyeballs? um netflix disney plus hbo max those are the big boys then there's some niche players where if you have a roku player or you just have some internet savvy you can watch stations and networks like crunchyroll acorn tv then you get some free ad-supported streaming TV services and digital video publishers uh, in the mix. And there's a lot going on. It's a little confusing, but they're all chasing advertising dollars. Netflix isn't, but I think Netflix will have to come up with a cheaper version of their service with an ad support. It's way too early for me to say that because we still haven't even seen the success of the failure of Peacock, the NBC 2019 announcement that, yeah, we're not asleep, we have NBC. We have Universal. We've got a lot of content, both in movies and television, that we've produced over the years. What they're going to show us is kind of a hybrid between Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu. And they're going to do some ad-supported, and they're going to do live TV streaming. Interesting. That's a little different. Not enough to get quote, quote, an excited headline out of me, but it's okay. So, 2020 is going to stay competitive, and you're going to start seeing some consolidation. The middle part of the streaming universe gets lost, and there's a lot of good services out there, other than Netflix and Disney+, Plus and Apple TV, and HBO Max. So, for today's market, you'll see a lot more bundling happen, happening to basically move to a free ad-based model. A lot of people have already made the move. We've talked about cord cutting now for five years. And every year, it seems more and more people are ready to say, "I don't need that cable into my house. I could stream." Still have to have the cable in your house to get the uh, cable modem, but that's kind of different, right? Bundling can give a lot of the companies that are in the industry some cover by giving them easier access to audiences and ad dollars, and the ad aggregation ultimately of a microcosm of the crunch. Um Roku's got a Roku channel. Viacom's got Pluto TV. Um and they're very similar in how they all work. I I'll be honest with you, during the holidays I watch a lot more television, a lot more movies, things that I miss during the year. And it's pretty intimidating. On I think I told you this story a couple of years ago. I had my kids watch on Roku channel. Uh, it doesn't really jump out when you say like Apple Plus or Disney Plus, right? Apple TV Grogu channel doesn't really jump out, but my kids watched um, ALF, and it had a commercial in it, and I was was totally fine. Um, It was a throwback that I wouldn't be able to show my kids unless I said, hey, let's pull up YouTube, because certainly I'm not going to be paying for old episodes of ALF. Get the first season of ALF with Blu-ray commentary. (laughs) Not going to happen, Right. So, the middle-class streamers are going to start to feel pressure, in my belief, in 2020. Um, As it gets tougher, Disney Plus has got that first free year. You've got Verizon. Disney Plus has got a lot of free um, subsidies going. How will they do in the second year? How will they do as people age out of family programming? And they want some more of what Netflix has to say. But what's interesting about all of them is you can have them for a month and cancel them. Unlike cable TV, we don't know the ramifications of this yet. It's like when we do gene editing and you alter a kid from a male to a female, we don't know if at age 10 they're going to turn off or if they're going to be socially unkind. So 2019 is in the books, 30% gain roughly on the NASDAQ. Dow Jones Industrial Average had a good year. The S P 500 had a good year. It was a good year all around. One company that had a bad year, Boeing. And when will they snap out of this? They had to kill their not kill, not literally kill. They had to cut their CEO, not literally cut, but they had to um, relinquish him of his duties. Not necessarily because of anything direct, but because the culture needs a shake up. It's a great reminder again that success or failure starts at the top. And on occasion, this is the cut you have to make, even if it's the wrong one. Um, I I think that's worth mentioning. 2020 for the Federal Reserve looks to be, um, I think, good. I was looking at the makeup of the the board and how they're pulling it off. And it feels like we're not going to see any higher interest rates in 2020. From every year they kind of change up who gets um, votes, the voting panel, so to speak. Uh, It's a very, very, very big board. But then the people who get the votes are not a very, very big swath, so to speak. Um, So that's worthy of note out there. 2020 looks okay. And it's a weird thing to say because the things that we look for negatively on 2020 are a lot of geopolitical risks. Not necessarily interest rate risks, not necessarily foreign exchange risks, but a lot of geopolitical issues are the top stories of what we're eyeballing. The new CEO of Boeing is going to have to not only navigate getting the planes back up in the air, but navigate the... It's become a little bit disturbing how cozy they are with the FAA. So. Corporations have to manage the obstacle course, so to speak, as well as you do. Clemson football wins on the football field, but it can't compete on profit. 2019 always ends with the bowl games, right? 2020 college football game, bowl games are over. We start moving towards spring and baseball, the winter dying out. But man, t- Clemson football, they are all that in a bucket of chicken. But they only earned 7.5 million dollars in 2018. The three other playoff teams all pulled in over 55 million each. Ain't that something? So LSU, Ohio State, Oklahoma—they're all able to raise money at a, a astounding pace compared to Clemson. And yet Clemson hanging tough in the national uh, picture of you know best teams. But again, it brings up the question on playoff teams, virtue, NCAA, coaches getting paid. The uh, Clemson Tigers coach, a guy named Davo Sweeney, he has a 10-year contract, and it's for $903 million. That's a lot of money. Now, again, I get the sense that college football coaches don't sleep. They don't eat. They don't see their kids. They don't go to their football. I, I have that sense that it's all-consuming. At least that's the way they act when you inter- when they get interviewed after the game it's like man we won the game of a lifetime <laughs> it's like your kid just finished elementary school but uh that's not a bad career a lot of money in football huh? in college football a lot of money i think in my lifetime we'll definitely see athletes get paid in college ranks I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Big seminar coming up. You can sign up for it by going to the website New Focus Financial and use the code RADIO25 and listen to the commercials during the break to learn more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or kdow.biz. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the areas that I try to do this show, or one of the reasons I try to do this show, is to talk about basic financial concepts that you may not care about right now, but I guarantee you, there's a good chance you're going to care about in the near future. Like inflation. Inflation, when I was a young man, was a word I didn't really have a concept of. Maybe it was inflating a balloon, inflating an economy, maybe it was the cost of a soda. Or let me give you a better example of why we need to save money and get those 25% returns that 2019 gave us, and get the 10% historical returns that the market gives us. Consultant worker advisor, all numbers are, you know, for example purposes only, right? But those were good years, and the market tends to have 7 out of 10 good years. And the market tends to beat real estate, and uh, bonds tend to beat real estate over time. It's tough to explain that to someone in the Bay Area, but it's true. Um, A really good example of inflation and why we need to invest, make our dollar worth more Last year, if you had a dollar in the stock market, it became a dollar twenty-five with 25% growth. If you had a million in, what did it become? You get the idea, right? You made a lot of money for doing nothing. So you may have said, I made a lot of money. Now I want to see the Rolling Stones before someone dies in the band. I think that's pretty fair to say. Last year, 2019, was a crazy year because we saw the Rolling Stones big tour. We saw Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. If you were a baby boomer, that was, holy mackerel, the year of your musician. But you had to pay up more than you paid up when you were a kid. Nine of the top ten North American tours on uh, music this year averaged over $100 a ticket. Now, when I was a kid, $25 a ticket felt like a lot, right? And on a special show like Madonna, it was like maybe 50 or $60, but fans paid $506 per ticket to see Springsteen on Broadway, which ended up on Netflix months later, where you could watch it for as cheap or as free as you want for $9. I watched it on Netflix, I will admit. There were some things that I wanted to see in case I didn't quite understand Bruce Springsteen. Eh, he was never my guy so to speak, in music. So, I'm glad that I didn't spend it on Broadway. I'm glad that I spent it on Netflix. Uh, The Rolling Stones had the highest-grossing North American tour at $170 million. They charged $226 a ticket. That's inflation. Now, what sort of inflation? You're like, well, I'm 72 years old. I don't care about music. I can't even hear it anymore. Well, there's medical device inflation. There's pharmaceutical inflation. There's, Lord knows, everyone in the audience knows this one, healthcare inflation. Um, You know, back when I was starting off in the workforce, healthcare was a free benefit from corporations. Now you're covering more and more of it, and the the employer is too, just to be fair. If you have entertainment rewards on credit cards, you can save up to 4% on concert tickets. Concert tickets and credit cards kind of went hand-in-hand last year with all the rewards that people get. I don't know the reward system as well for... Every single card as I should. I know the ones about mine. And I can tell you, one of mine was a Visa uh, signature card where they have these events that are pretty awesome that you can spend rewards on and see, you know, a band that you like in a 400 person setting versus a 4,000 or a 40,000. Um, so credit cards kind of got into the whole reward system for music because we know where they know that it's very, very tough for you to make ends meet. Um, so, use the, the the points, right? That's attractive to you. Movie tickets, sports promoters, uh, theatrical promoters, amusement parks, tourist attractions, aquariums, zoos, dance halls, pool halls, bowling alleys, all of them became popular with credit card reward systems. So, inflation is the reason I really want you to Take you know note of why you're investing. If it was as easy as saving a million dollars, but then if everything costs 6% more, then you need it to save more. If everything costs 10% more, you're going to need to save 10% more. So, inflation's the one concept I hope you really grasp and run with in 2020. That's what you're trying to beat, fortunately for the United States. And see, this is where it's kind of messy. Some inflation's worse than others. Um, I did not get a big TV this year. But if I did, it would have been cheaper than the one I got last year or the year before or the year before. Um, Or it'll have a lot more features and we will feel like we got more for less. So anyway, um, inflation, something real big for you to uh, sneak up on and note that inflation for seniors is different than inflation for a baby boomer generation X or millennial. Um, big winners in 2019. Um, I don't think it's unfair to do a small report card here and there. Uh, Apple and advanced micro devices. The S&P 500 up nearly 30% for the year. The Dow Jones up 22%. What a great year. And semiconductors really led the way. As far as the Dow Jones top 30 stocks, the Dow Jones Industrial Average 30, Apple was up 83%. Microsoft 56%. Visa 43%. J P Morgan Chase 42%. Now, I'm gonna to get to some of the more of the names that I've owned and I talk about on this show. And again, consult a broker advisor for taking any action on any stocks. Nike up 37%, Disney up 32%. So again, Apple, Microsoft Visa. Visa up 43%, Microsoft 56%, Apple up 83%, Disney up 32%, Nike up 37. Those are stocks I talk about all the time on the show. And I tend to say these are blue chip names. They should be considered for a portfolio. You need to consult a broker advisor for taking any action on any stocks mentioned. But there's nothing wrong with those companies, and they've been around since you were a little kid. Now, this year's gains may be drawing in from next year's revenue or next year's profit or next year's uh, uh, movie slate or whatever it is. So, sometimes you're going to have to say, okay, I I know Apple's not going to go up 83% this year. It went up 83% last year. Um, so, sometimes you have to say, okay, if I look for outperformance, I already got it in that one. So, now I'm going to get blended performance. That's going to beat the market over a two- and three-year period. And you're, you'll feel comfortable with that, right? Um, but I wouldn't chase last year's winners. I would scale into them. I would write them down and say, these are great companies. And again, any name on this list I would consider of the top 10 DAO stocks, Apple, Microsoft, Visa, JP Morgan, United Tech, Goldman Sachs, Procter & Gamble, Nike, Walt, Disney, and American Express, they're all great names. They're all blue-chip names. They're all names I expect to be around when I'm a little boy or to be acquired by a bigger conglomerate, which would still make me money, when I'm an older man. Did I say when I'm a little boy? They're all around when I was a little boy, So is what I meant to say. Holy mackerel, a little rust, right? AMD had a banner year. Apple had a banner year. Apple had a great run with AirPods in 2019. AMD has just the, the chipsets the semiconductors for data centers and for gaming which is very niche uh but it's worthy of note that uh they were to the two big winners so eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air anything that you want to talk about we could talk about money investing in more for the record amd was up 150 percent last year on the sp500 you've probably heard of the game name if you've played video games i'm rob black want the podcast with music Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial money, investing, and more. I got the new Scott Galloway book during the holidays of 2019. And I got to tell you, I was a little disappointed with it. Scott Galloway is a New York professor of marketing. He's done a really great job in the last 10 years of setting up a YouTube channel. I'm not going to say knocking Amazon, Google, Netflix, Apple, uh, Alphabet, Tesla. He He's not goofing on them. He's just he's kind of trying to show you what branding is all about and, and the companies. And I think he does a great YouTube channel, and it's on my list of YouTube channels. So, he wrote an article shortly before the end of 2019... That mentioned something along the lines of FedEx's problems are only going to get worse. Now, oftentimes on this show, I talk about companies like Disney and Nike and Microsoft and Apple, which should be around when your kids are kids, when your kids become adults. It's probably a better way to say that, right? Um, on occasion, though, when you see a company get like flagged, Scott Galloway saying, FedEx is not going to be FedEx anymore, they're struggling to keep up with Amazon, and he basically talked a lot about what FedEx can do. They've lost $25 billion in market cap since Amazon launched its delivery service. Amazon has banned third-party sellers from using FedEx for prime deliveries. Um, Amazon's doing more with a lot less than FedEx. Um, If Walmart were to buy FedEx, it would instantly give us a real competitor to Amazon as far as that delivery angle goes. Amazon Prime, Amazon Two Day, Amazon Now. I mean, we need it now. Two hours isn't fast enough. We need it now. And Walmart can't compete with Amazon unless they acquire someone like a FedEx. I think it's a genius commentary by Scott Galloway. Do I think he has any inside information on these companies? No. But how do you want to build your company, horizontally or vertically? If tomorrow... Jeff Bezos from Amazon says, we're going to make delivery an, uh, a huge priority. FedEx is going to lose more because we already know Amazon's in the business of losing money to g- gain revenue to ultimately squeeze it into another channel. FedEx has lost $25 billion in market cap, 40% of their value since 2018. When Amazon started you know, saying, okay, we don't need them as much. And they focus more on the United States Postal Service and the United States UPS. U.S. e-commerce has increased 84% since 2014. And it's fair to say FedEx isn't participating in that, as well as other companies have. Delivery is ultimately a pretty low-margin business. Um, but I do like Scott Galloway, and I do like the way he says, you know, this may not happen, but... It's certainly Walmart and FedEx is a lot more interesting than FedEx just fixing their own problems and and staying independent. So, Oracle's had a tough time of it with Salesforce.com. We can continue to see that story play out, even though if you listen to Larry Ellison, he wouldn't admit it. It's one of the reasons why you need to really set up a book on um, corporations that you follow and, and try to update it. You know, at one point in time, I had, you know, Word documents dedicated. And this is a long time ago, very crude documents set up to follow companies and notes. So, if someone called in with Tesla, I'd be able to go back to, oh, yeah, you remember November uh, 2018 when... And it sounded like I was smarter than I was. I just had really, really good notes. Disney Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Had a pretty good run of it. In 2019... The movie did better than expected at the box office, and it topped big numbers two weekends in a row, three weekends in a row. That's the big issue with movies is their staying power of how much they lose week to week. Um, Disney in 2019 accounted for about 40% of all U.S. box office receipts. That's not a monopoly, but it certainly doesn't make me feel comfortable that there's a lot of choice out there. Disney had six movies past the $1 million mark this year. And Skywalker, the seventh, you know, easy. That brings up a question. As an investor, it's not so much... We knew Disney had a good year in 2019. I told you they would in 2018. Now the question is 2020. I started doing a little more research on their parks. Parks are great. Started doing a little bit more research on their movies. Movie slate looks a little less than 2019. But they have room for some upside there. But it looks pretty mediocre compared. iHeart Media. A purchase of the radio station operator by Liberty Media may be blocked by the Justice Department. On occasion, you run into a situation where if... The, I don't know. If FedEx were to say, we're going to merge with UPS, our Department of Justice gets involved and say, okay, we're looking at the combination, is it competitive, is it anti-competitive, what have you. I'm a little bit shocked that the Justice Department is saying, we're going to slow this one down and we're probably going to block it. Liberty Media owns a 4.8% stake in radio station operators. Uh, iHeart Media. And if you know anything about radio and television, it's really taken a beating in the last 20 years due to the rise of other options. Whether we're listening to MP3s on a memory stick, or whether we're linking into our iTunes account on our our dash on our car, or podcasts, or any other form of entertainment that's come our way in the last 10 years particularly, radio is struggling. And... I'm not sure the Justice Department is in the right. And again, I don't know the legal brief on this. Um, and I certainly can tell you that iHeartMedia in the past has you know, been accused of being the big boy on the block. And now, you know, who is the big boy on the block of radio? It's really tough to put a finger on it. The concepts that tend to work really well are, are, are considered bullet shots, where you focus on religion, you focus on sports, you focus on um, the Asian community. Those are the areas that are working now where it used to be much more of a broadcast. Now it's much more of a narrow cast. Other big stories of note. 2019 was a really, really good year for Tesla. And it's almost a let's tip the hat to Tesla. They're still losing money. They did get up and running in China. They've lowered their prices in China. So up and running in China is a positive. Lowering their prices in China is a negative. Um. I don't like. I don't really like that play. It's too dramatic for me. Now I get that some people have drama with, say, for instance, an Apple. Of, well, one day people are going to be wearing watches, and that'll put them out of business. Or one day people are going to have a cell phone sewed into their head, and that'll put them out of business. Or one day their cell phones will cause cancer, and that'll put them out of business. Trust me, I know. Apple will not always be the king of the market. Uh, Sony was the king of technology in the 1990s. And whether it be their sony walkman cassette players or their sony walkman cd players um even when you put on those cheap little nine dollar headphones they sounded pretty darn good uh it was the first time we started capturing sound in our ears as we were walking versus putting you know a headset into a stereo which was in your home we started using sony walkmans and it, it, it was a thing and oh boy did they mess that up Nokia dominated the cell phone market long before Apple dominated the cell phone market and apple doesn 't dominate the cell phone market they're still they dominate the profits of the cell phone market. I would say Google dominates the cell phone market on operating systems and Samsung on cheap phones um, and there's other players obviously. You see where I'm going out with this. 800-516-1220 to calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Fortnite was a cultural phenomenon that grew from 2018 to 2019. Maybe it's starting to wane a bit. But with 250 million players worldwide, we're wondering what Epic is going to show us about the future. Because they've got a large chunk of eyeballs on a pretty regular basis. Epic Games has the ability to understand and adapt to its huge audience. Fortnite has provided a new model for which the kind of ongoing games can aspire in the future. In the past, we would say the video game market was, you know, hit driven. Now it's franchise driven. Few franchises can grow large enough to become household names. Fortnite has already surpassed both milestones to become one of the most influential video games in recent history. And from the looks of what they're trying to do in 2020 through 2029, the next 10 years, is be positioned for augmented reality. Be positioned for virtual reality. We're already walking around in the game dressed as, what are some of the characters? Peely the banana. Um, They have all different robots and things. So we're already using the avatar angle. And a recent update kind of set up a social aspect where you hang out with your friends dressed as these avatars while you're not playing the game. Um, Epic is out in North Carolina, which you don't think of as the video game center of the world. Um, Where do you think of video games being made? Hollywood Studios, maybe? Sometimes Montreal Studios, Worldwide Studios? They're big business. Um, In 2018, 2018, Fortnite generated at least $2.4 billion. And what's fascinating about it is it's not necessarily in the skins. It's it's in the... uh, uh, beach towels that you can buy. It's in the onesie jump jumpers you can buy. The licensing that they're doing. And outside Fortnite, all you could really think of as phenomenon socially, Pokemon and Minecraft in the last couple of years. Um, a Fortnite player made the cover of ESP in the magazine. A Fortnite player made Times a list of a hundred most influential people. Uh, musicians and actors film themselves playing a Fortnite. It's pretty fascinating stuff, the way this is moving. And I think Epic's well-positioned. We'll talk about augmented reality and virtual reality as a 2023 story, 2022. But the seeds are being planted now, and there will be big business. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more let's talk a little bit about how technology becomes sticky apple introduced in 2019 screen time where you can see how much screen time you're logging in various apps and you can limit it tell your children they only get one hour of games a day it's a feature that you have to approach with a little bit of hesitancy because it feels real are you admitting that your kid uses the phone too much Um, Can you limit it? What happens when you do limit it? But it's become entrenched in our society so much that Apple wants to say, hey, take a look at this tool. Whether you use it or not, we don't care. Maybe, maybe not. I'm putting words in their mouth. But there was a story in 2019 about Sharon Stone. She once was the sexiest woman on the planet, according to People magazine. Sexiest person. All tied towards a very uh, risque scene and basic instinct. She said, she's 61 years old, that she had been shut down on Bumble, the dating app Bumble, because people didn't believe it was really her. So she got shut out of the hive, get it, Bumble Hive. And Bumble later responded saying that it unblocked the account and to make sure it won't happen again. But authenticity over the Internet is still a story that we don't really have a lot of clarity on. Twitter, how do they hand out their little blue check marks so that you're a verified user? I don't know. It's a mystery to me. Um, I don't take a lot of criticism negatively. On occasion, I've got a thin skin, and the internet is not made for those with thin skins because people are verified. I still think cybersecurity has a long way to go when we're using silly things like passwords to log into our systems. To account verification, two-step verification feels like too much of a process to get into what should be a lot simpler. So Sharon Stone is on Bumble. Kind of makes, is it a challenge to see if you can get a date with Sharon Stone? I don't know. But I did find that kind of interesting. To me, that brought out, again, just authenticity. How do we know you are who you are on the other end of it? I think we've become way too sensitive of a culture. And I think one email, one tweet can ruin a person's career. Um, Even if it's not that damning of a situation, people are really personalizing everything. There's a comic I watched over the Christmas break. And the basic premise was, she said, I like otters. And uh, she likes otters. She took a really cute selfie with the otter. Because Michelle Wolf, who said this, really, really good comedy special, in my opinion, just not from haha laughs, but from we really have a lot to think about. And she basically brought up the concept of um, she loved otters. And someone on Instagram uh, posted a picture and she said, Otters rape baby seals. Do better, Michelle. She's like, wait, wait! I didn't know that. How do I know? How do you have to have a deep dive on information to know that. She looked it up. She said it was true. And then she brought up the concept of: Do animals even have the concept of rape, or not? Um, and how do you think you get a, a labradoodle? Because that's not natural habitat of uh, mating, so to speak. Really genius that she said the one person tweeted me, and that you know it turned into this direct message on Instagram. Actually, she can't even like otters. Or seals. She can't even. She doesn't even know what to like. And she says, "What if I hate seals? What is this? What, 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 what if this was my way of promoting otters so they can take down the seal race?" And she has a point. We've become very, very sensitive on everything. World's richest uh, people in 2019 gained 1.2 trillion dollars. The rich got richer. The old Robin Hood argument, right? Kylie Jenner became the youngest self-made billionaire last year. Kylie Cosmetics signed an exclusive partnership with Ulta Beauty. She sold a 51% stake in the company for $600 million. Um, So the reversal of fortunes for the wealthy did not happen. They got stronger. Um, The world's 500 wealthiest people. Which I must be on, I must barely miss the cut. I must be like 501 to 503. The world's 50 wealthiest people added $1.2 trillion. They boosted their collective wealth by 25%, even though the markets were up 22 to 30%, right? So there's a widening wealth and income inequality in the United States. The richest, one tenth of 1% control a bigger share of the pie than at any time since 1929. The 172 American billionaires on Bloomberg ranked added 500 billion with Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg up 27 billion last year. Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates, his fortune rose 22.7 billion. Russia had billionaires added to the list. China had billionaires added to the list. There were some people who lost big... Weworks Adam Newman, who saw his fortune implode at least on paper, he had a paper billionaire worth um, had a rough year. Rupert Murdoch had a rough year. His fortune dropped by about ten billion dollars. His company, Fox assets were distributed to his six kids um, and the purchase of Disney buying Fox assets. Um, it may have made his six kids all billionaires, but it took away from his big pot, so to speak. White Claw, the hard seltzer, that was the hit of the summer of 2019. It grew the worth of someone named Anthony von Mandel, his net worth to $3.6 billion. Can you imagine coming up with an idea of a drink? And you would think that every idea has been come up with. Let's put sparkling water with like some vodka, Vodka doesn't have a big smell to it. Sparkling water. Oh, and add a a pomegranate or a blueberry. Hard seltzer is a big thing. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.